Seems like Satan's on a roll today. <laughs> we got lots of distractions, lots of things going on. Got something going on with my ear. I can't hear out of it. <laughs> I don't know. It's really throwing me off. <laughs> so bear with me. We will not let Satan prevail. All right, so the last couple of weeks, David's been talking about the condition of our heart and how it's our heart that reflects the rest of our life. It's the stuff that comes out of your mouth that seems out of character, that seems out of place. Where that really comes from is in your heart. We've developed a filter, and sometimes that filter isn't adequate. Sometimes things slip through, and people around you are like, wow, that's not like you. Why would you say that? That's not who you are. When in reality, it is who you are. You've got those people in your life that maybe cuss like a sailor, and you know you can't go around them because it just it hurts you. You can't take your kids around them because it's like going to an R-rated movie. You know people like that. and We think like this. Sorry. <laughs> when in reality, it's funny, cause, but in reality, it's more like this. It comes from their heart. That's where this deceit comes from. That's where sinful nature comes from. It's what we fill our hearts with. So, today I want to connect a few dots, and we've got a little bit of scripture to go through, so I'll go through it fast. But I want to connect the dots to move from, now that I know my heart is corrupt, and there's stuff in there, and the things that come out that are uncharacteristic of me, the things that slip through every once in a while that make me go, ooh, why did I say that? Why did I treat that person like that? That's not me. When that's in my heart, now that I know that, how do I empty my heart of all this sin and all this disgusting, filthy stuff and fill it with things that are honoring to God? And so we need to find an application. We need to find a way to do that. And for me, it begins in Genesis. We're not going to turn there, but it begins with creation. saw some people starting to turn, so calm down. (laughs) It begins with creation. Thank you. It begins with creation. And in the beginning, God created the universe. And part of that creation, he created man. And how did he create us? We were created in his image. We were created to look like him. Now, we don't know if that means physically, like he looks like us. If God was standing here right now, would he look like one of us? We don't know that. He might, but we don't know for sure. But we do know that we were created to spiritually reflect his image. Inside, we were supposed to look like him. What was in our heart is supposed to reflect God. And so how do we reflect God when we don't really know God? And I think that's what happens to Christians. They don't know what God would do in a certain circumstance. They don't know what God would do if he was faced with, with, you know, people trying to get him to drink at a party or people telling dirty jokes at work. You know, how would God react to that? We don't know for sure. We don't know how to relate. We don't know what to do. So today I want to show us. Turn with me to John chapter 14. We'll start there. And like I said, we're going to connect a few dots, so just hang with me. I promise you at the end it'll all fit together. And so in John chapter 14, well, 13 actually, we have Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Let me get you caught up to where we are in this story. So Jesus just washed the disciples' feet. He just told them that he was going to be betrayed. One of his disciples was going to betray him. And not only that, Peter was going to deny him, and he was fixing to leave them. So, pretty much a bad day for the disciples, <laughs> right? It's all crashing down on them at once. And so, the way Jesus comforts them is saying, you know, take heart, I'm going to leave you, but I'll be back here in a little bit, and you know where I'm going. So, that's where we are. 
We're going to start in verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Good old doubting Thomas, right? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen me. So, Jesus said, how do you know the Father? You first have to know me. And so that's how we know what God would do in a certain situation, a circumstance, how God would treat people around him. We know by looking at the example of his son, by following his example. Verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Let's replace that name. Let's replace Philip with your name, my name. Clint said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. To that, Jesus would answer, don't you know me, Clint? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. Clint said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. That would be me saying, if only I could see God. If only he was here before me now telling me what to do. If only I could ask him, what do you want me to do? That would be enough, Jesus. If I could see the Father and I could say, how do you want me to act in this situation? How do you want me to react to these people? How do you want me to react to my enemies? How do you want me to act at work? What do you want me to do? Tell me and I'll do it. Jesus, that would be enough. To that, Jesus replied, I am the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen him. Do as I do. Who remembers that bracelet, WWJD? It's kind of cliche, but you know what? It's absolutely right. What would Jesus do? That's how we get to the Father. We do what Jesus would do. We do what he would do. And like I said, this relationship was broken from the beginning. From the beginning of time, when we sinned in the garden, we broke that relationship where there was no competition for God's love. It was just man and God. There was no sin in their life. There was no separation from God. Sin entered into the world. Turn with me a few chapters back to John chapter 1. And we're going to see that the answer to fixing our heart problems is 
Jesus, and it's always been Jesus, and it always will be Jesus. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone, every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. So this is a picture of Christ from the beginning when sin entered into the world. Jesus was there. Jesus was the answer, was always the answer. In the beginning, when the world was being created, God was speaking it into creation. But as he was speaking it, Jesus was the one forming it. Jesus is the one putting it together. Jesus has always been the one fixing our heart problem from the beginning. Jesus is the answer. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the only way we're going to fix what's inside of us. We know we have this problem. We know there's a separation between us and God, but Jesus is that answer. And so we ask ourselves, what can I do? He's just sad because he's got to leave me. Bye. So, Jesus is the answer. And we ask ourselves, how do we know what Jesus would do in this circumstance? What Jesus would do in this certain situation? Because now we've decided that to get to the Father, we have to go through the Son. So how do we know what the Son would do? How do we know what Jesus would do in a situation? We read about Him in the Word, in this book. It's not just an accident that this was left behind. When Jesus came and died for our sins and went to heaven, he left the Spirit in us. So the Word is now in us. The Word in the beginning was God. And then when we messed it up, the Word became Christ. And then when Christ paid the sacrifice, paid the price for our sins and left, he left the Spirit in us, the new Word, the Word that's in this book. Turn with me to James chapter 1 real quick.
James chapter 1. And so here we have this disconnect from knowing that I need to follow Christ and I need to do what He tells me to do. And I need to know Him more. I need to know Him intimately. And yet, I don't. I don't do it. I choose not to. And the reason that it's like that is because we are full of sin. And like I said earlier, we have competition now. There's something tugging on us. There's a weight on us that's pulling us down. And it's this world. It's this world we live in. It's like we have a dual citizenship. We were born of earth, but our true home is heaven. We were born here, and so we feel like we're connected to this place. When in reality, we're just passing through. This is one stop on the way to heaven, an eternity with Christ. And so we're, we feel like we're being pulled from two directions. We want to do what Christ wants us to do. We want to do what's pleasing to God, what's honoring to Him. And yet, it's easier just to ignore that and be of the world and blend in and become a chameleon Christian, as I like to call them. You fit in and people don't really, when they look at you, you don't reflect the image of God. When in reality, we were created to do nothing but reflect the image of God. When people look at you out on the street, they're supposed to see something different about you. When you interact with people around you in your environment, they're supposed to say there's something different about that person. There's something special about them. And I don't know about you, but I have a hard time doing that. I'm pretty good at fitting in in this world. So read with me. We're going to start James 1.19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life of God's desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Okay, it's that simple. Just get rid of it and move on. No, it's not that simple. <laughs> It'd be a horrible place to end this. Okay, y'all have fun. Good. Have a good week. <laughs> but there's always more. <laughs> Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Okay. So, a lot of us read the Bible. A lot of us come to church. A lot of us know what we should do. We read the word, but we deceive ourselves. We don't do what the word says to do. We just listen to the word. And who do we say the word is? Jesus. And how long has he been around? From the beginning. And when was the beginning for him? We don't know. He's always been. But that's how long he has been the answer to our problems. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. All right, so now we're going to use this little thing over here on the wall. Everybody's been looking at, especially Bob fixing his hair this morning. <laughs> I know, sorry. Couldn't resist it. Hope I don't get any feedback over here. 
All right, so it's kind of weird hearing myself in there. <laughs> All right, it says 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. All right, this is, here's my example. So say I just woke up this morning and I'm in the bathroom and I just brushed my teeth and I'm looking in the mirror trying to get ready. And my hair is all sticking up. We're just pretending, okay? I don't think my hair is stuck up for about 20 years now. But <laughs> my hair is sticking up, and i got some toothpaste on my chin, and a big old zit right here. Just like a huge one right here. All right, I got a big old boogie hanging out. Some toothpaste on my shirt. All right, I look disgusting. But I look in the mirror. Oh, well. And I just walk away, leaving myself that way. And I go out into the world, and I go to work, and people look at me, and they're like, whoa, what happened to him? I go to kiss my wife, and she's like, mm-mm, I love you, but not that much, <laughs> right? And so I'm out in the world, and I'm looking like this. I go to work, and I go to the grocery store, or it's just pretend, honey. <laughs> I don't ever really go to the grocery store. Mm, it's a nice one. So <laughs> I'm out at the grocery store, and people are looking at me, and like, he's disgusting. Has he not... Looked at a mirror? When we know this morning, I looked at it, and I just chose to ignore it. I chose to look away from it. That's what James is telling us about the Word. We should look at the Word and see all our faults. See what's in my heart, what's disgusting inside me. We should see that in us. And the only way we're going to see that is through the Word. A relationship with God, a relationship with His Son, who died for our sins, to show us what's inside our heart. Because how do I know to remove lust if I don't know what lust is? If I don't know how God treats lust, how do I know how to remove jealousy or deceit or you know, lying or drinking to excess? How do I know to remove that? How do I know if I don't look at the Word and not just look at the Word? Because we can read this all day and it's a great book. Yeah, I should do that. James says, do more than just know that you need to change it. Change it. Because when we read this book and when we're in the word, it should change us. You should see that stuff inside you that's tearing you up and is driving a wedge between you and God. And you and the people around you that you're supposed to be reaching. You should see that it's driving a wedge. And you should see that in this word. Treat this as a mirror to your heart. Treat this as a way that you know that what you're doing is honoring and pleasing to God. This is the only way we're going to find out what God really wants of us. This is the only way to know what He truly wants from us. Verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. And so not only will it help change who you are, but God will bless you for that. You will see God moving in your life because it is honoring to him, because he can bless you for blessing him. It's what we were created for, and it was ordained and put into motion from the beginning. This isn't just something that came about in New Testament. 
Because this book, the Old Testament, this book is a testament of Jesus. This whole thing from beginning to end is about Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament talks about Jesus and how he lived and how he interacted with people and how he wanted us to treat other people around us. And so this word is important. The Bible is important. It doesn't just work on Sunday morning, Wednesday night. It works every day of the week. It's amazing. Never a wrong time to read the Bible. Verse 26, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from becoming polluted by the world. So we can replace those words here in the end. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. You can replace it with whatever your situation is. It's for the religion that he finds pure and faultless is loving my enemy. The religion that he finds pure and faultless is not gossiping. The religion that he finds pure is not sowing dissension among other people. Not driving a wedge, making peace instead of war. religion that he finds faultless is not listening to those dirty jokes at work or being on the internet looking at the wrong sites. Walking away from that is what he finds pure. In the very end, he says, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Like I said, we have that dual citizenship where this world is tugging on us and telling us to look at those sites, to talk like that at work, to treat people like your enemy, to treat them like trash. That's the world telling us to do that. That's not God telling us to do that. And in us, it's easy for us to just conform to the world, to be like the world because that's simple, because that takes no effort whatsoever. Everyone else is doing it. And I'll blend in and I won't draw attention and I won't have to work as hard. But if you put yourself out there and you change your heart from the inside and people start to see that and you let them know the reason you're like that is because you are the image of God. You were created in his image to reflect him to the world, to be that light as he was the light to us. If you become like that, that's going to draw attention to you. and People are going to expect more out of you and that's going to be difficult. But that's what we were created for. That's who God created us to be. That's how we relate to God. That's how we know what our Father would want us to do. Because we know that Christ was our example. And we know that this word leads us to Christ. This word leads us to Jesus and what he would do. And I guarantee you there's not a question in your life, not a situation you're going through right now that the answer is is not in this book. If you're having troubles, this is the place to go. There used to be a song that said Bible stood for basic instructions before leaving earth. 
Absolutely correct. <laughs> if you want to know what to do and how to act and how to love your enemy, how to get along with people in your family, how to treat strangers, how to treat widows or orphans, how to treat people around you, how to treat people at work. It's in this book. It's in the Word. Because the Word was in the beginning and the Word was always the answer and the world, Word will always be the answer. So I ask you, please get in the Word. Please use it as a mirror to know what is corrupt and what is filthy in your heart. Ask the Lord to show you what's inside. To show you through His Word what you need to change, what you need to fix. And the answer is Jesus, and it always will be Jesus. So what do we need to do to fix that? Jesus already fixed it. That's the amazing part. When he died for our sins, he made a way for us to be forgiven for everything we're going to do. But it's up to us to want to reflect his image, to show the world his image. Now, people know that you're a Christian, I'm sure you say it time, maybe, you know, like, I've been to church, or, you know, it's came up in conversation, people around you know that you're a Christian, and you say that you follow God. And when they look at you, they see filth in your life. They see nastiness, because I guarantee you, one way or another, you are a reflection of something. You're either a reflection of the world, or you're a reflection of God. Because we are citizens of this world, it's easy for us to reflect the world. But God wants us to reflect his image. And the bad thing is, when Christians reflect the image of the world onto other people, they think that's what Christ is all about. It pollutes their vision, the image of God. They see us out there living just like they are, doing the exact same thing they're doing. They think, well, how's God any different than the world? What does he have to offer? How did he change this Christian? How did he change Clint? And that's when we have to think, how do I want to represent God? How do I want to represent my Savior? Because I am an image. I am a mirror of God. Just what image am I showing them? Who am I reflecting to them? So please, please get into the Word. Please search out Jesus, a relationship with him, a personal changing relationship, not one that just leaves you where you are, one that actually changes you to look more like him, because this book was intended to mold us into the image of Christ. It's supposed to mold you and change you because we're born of this world, we're born with sinful nature. This book was created and put together and it's the living word of God. It is the word given to us from God on how to become more like him. It's not just a coffee table ornament or that book you grab on the way to church. That thing you listen to on Sunday in here. It's supposed to change you. It's supposed to do more than entertain you. Let it change you. 
look in this mirror and see the corruption in your heart. See the deceit. See the jealousy. See the anger. Whatever it is you're dealing with, see it in your heart and see it for what it is. Something that doesn't honor God. Something that doesn't reflect His image. And let it change you. Dismiss with prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank You for the Word. Thank You for being the Word and bringing us the Word. Thank You for continuing to speak through the Word. Father, may it change us. Don't leave us the way we are. Father, please help us in our daily struggle between wanting to be in the world and belonging to heaven, belonging to you, being a child of yours, honoring you, bringing glory to your name. Father, help us. Father, we believe that you have the power to change us. We believe that you want us to be your creation, to be made new, to be renewed in heart. Father, help us fix our heart. We're heartbroken. We're deceitful. Remove that from us. God, bring us closer to you. Give us a relationship that reflects you and honors you and brings glory and honor to your name. Father, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for sending him to die for our sins and making a way for all this to be possible. God, he knew what he was doing when he created all the universe. He knew that he would have to someday fix that, that it was going to be broken and disgusting and horrible. And yet he still, out of love, created us and created this world. Father, thank you for that relationship. Thank you for everything you've done for us. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Y'all have a good week. Don't forget to use your Bible.